while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Welcome to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show. I'm Marcello Rolando, your host, and I have a special guest today, uh, someone I've met recently and have had several conversations with, and I can't wait to talk to him on air. It's David Bailey. But let me tell you a few things first. For almost a quarter of a century, Virginia Capital Connections Quarterly Magazine, some of you may know it as VCCQM, has delivered on why Virginia is key to our nation's past, present, and future. If you love statewide history of the Commonwealth, if you love civil politics, you'll love the Virginia Capital Connections Quarterly Magazine and our guest today, David Bailey, Virginia Capital Connections host of This Week in Richmond, seen weekly on Virginia's PBS stations. But that's not all. In addition, David Bailey Associates is a full-service public relations government affairs and lobbying firm, yes, we do have good lobbyists too, lobbying firm located immediately adjacent to the state capital in Richmond and for more than 30 years has developed and maintained effective working relationships with legislators and the executive branch elected and appointed officials on all sides of the political spectrum. So, welcome David Bailey to The Reasonable Voices a radio talk show. You certainly are a reasonable voice yourself. How are you this day? Marcello, I'm doing just fine, thank you. And it's a delight and a privilege to be on your show. Uh, We had our first conversation at an event at Virginia Union University here in Richmond. And I'm, I'm so glad for that opportunity to meet you. And I'm willing to follow your lead, and and let's talk about whatever you want to lead us into on this day. Well, let's, you know, I have a long list. (laughs) As as I told you before the show, uh, you certainly inspire um, the kinds of things that I'm so very interested in, and meeting you was an absolute pleasure, too. But since you brought that up first, let's talk about that event that was sponsored in part by womenmatter.org. 
and the NAACP and a number of organizations that actually featured, of course, the two gubernatorial uh, candidates in the Commonwealth of Virginia in debate. So what, what, were you, what was your takeaway from that? Well, I think that uh, even beginning with the uh, reception that they was hosted by those organizations and the Wilder Library just uh, created a good a good feeling for that event and I'm so glad that there was that opportunity for people who wanted to hear and meet candidates mm-hmm. because there there have been not that many of them that have been completely open to the public particularly with more than one candidate present so I think that it was it was a, a, a good very good evening and a great opportunity for those who came out and observed and were the active participants back watching and and listening and learning what was being said. You know, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was uh, talking about Gillespie and um, and Dr. Northrum, but you are right. There were a number of candidates uh, present. I met a number of them, and and they've been on the show who are running, and there's a record number of women, but I want to jump into that a little later. Let's talk about VCCQM. It's a magazine like no other, you say. All things Virginia, all things newsworthy, all things political. Tell us a bit, how did that get started? And just tell us about it, your experience with the Capital Connections Quarterly. Well, I'll tell you, my experience at the Capitol has been most enjoyable and for the most part, I think, very positive. And I've, from the very beginning right through today, I have believed that what needs to occur is for citizens around the Commonwealth to be informed as much as they are willing to be informed mm. and be equipped in order to do, actually to do their own advocacy. So a few, just a few years before we started the Quarterly Magazine, we started a, a directory that provided contact information. Then we realized that that really wasn't sufficient, that there were stories that needed to be told. Uh, so so often what makes the news would be the food fights mm. and and not the, the, the digging into the, to the issues and and also information about uh, some of the key people at the Capitol. Uh, some years ago, a friend referred to the magazine as the People's Magazine mm-hmm. at the state capitol. And at first, I, you know, there was a national magazine with that name. At first, I, I wasn't sure if if he was providing a compliment or yes. a critique or just what. Mm-hmm. But then as we talked a bit more, I realized that that was probably a significant part of its mission to to help people know about someone like a Brenda Edwards who just yes. recently retired after 41 years of working in legislative services at the Capitol to know something about Dr. Uh, William Ferguson Reed, Fergie, mm-hmm. as his nickname was, who was elected as the first African-American elected after after Reconstruction, I should add. Hmm. And he was elected to the House of Delegates in the 1960s. First First Ladies of the Commonwealth. We've always had the privilege and opportunity to have feature articles about them and then and then some articles from them about the key initiatives. So it's not a scholarly 
journal that devotes thousands upon thousands of words to a topic, but it's one that, in which political science professors around the Commonwealth and others are willing to contribute their articles, and so we, we've been delighted that it has lasted now, gosh, almost 25 years, wow. and, 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 and it is tough. Magazines come and go, and I think that by having the magazine online as well as in print, it's mm-hmm. probably helped keep it alive for this long. Because it chooses, even though you say all things political, it, its focus obviously is the Commonwealth of Virginia. That, um, that makes that even more rewarding, but it also makes it even more challenging because the Commonwealth of Virginia is different. The very fact that it is a Commonwealth is one of those reasons, but it's also, I think, fair to say, or you, you tell me, it's a state that is in evolution. Virginia is on the move, and, and we don't know where it's going to end up, you know. it's And I don't just mean red one election, blue another, and purple most of the time. And Well, let's put it this way. Virginia borders on, is it both Kentucky and, and uh, Tennessee? It borders with West Virginia, and then there's Northern Virginia, of course, which many are most familiar with. Then there's Charlottesville and what it's going through. That's quite a lot of history and current events. And I guess my question is, or my my observation, and then you can <laughs> respond any way you wish, is that for any magazine, in print and or online, lasting as long as as the quarterly has the Capital Virginia Capital Connections quarterly, it seems to me, as you say, that's that's an that's a real accomplishment. But especially when you look at the details, does that make sense? Oh, oh, it, it perfectly does. I... You were causing me to recall uh, my early study of Virginia, in which we had the coastal section, the tidewater, and we had the Piedmont, and yes. we had the, the mountains. And those geographic divisions of the Commonwealth uh, were what we learned at an early age. And, and then along the way, we discovered there was a fourth one, the Cumberland Plateau. So we know the geographic formations of the Commonwealth. The cultural differences, the, I mean, the, there's, Virginia has, well, would it be fair almost to say uh, a, a microcosm of what's in the, in the, in these United States. Exactly. That we, that we uh, both, both politically, socially, culturally, religiously, what, what probably most any way you could look at it, we, if someone knows and understands and, and, uh, Virginia, you've got a good sense of what these United States are like. You know, and and I think that was what I was trying to get to, uh, David. Thank you for putting it so succinctly. It is a uh, composite of the United States of America, uh-huh. and, uh, and it has topography. It has uh, it it has the as you say the cultural, historical, and political differences, and it can be an example to the nation in. I guess it's fair to say, and what not to do and what to do. I think we try, you and I, to be, well, I know you you are much better at being nonpartisan than I am, but we do approach a history and current events with objectivity. I think that's fair to say of us, a little pat on the back. But, um, Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. <laughs> yes. And it's not always easy, but um, 
What about some of the people you've you've covered with the magazine? I mean, there must be great stories of uh, newsmakers of the day. Because you mentioned this, uh, some of the stories that we don't hear. We know about John Glenn, but it's only been lately through the book and the movie Hidden Figures that we realize, look at all that developed, not just in support of John Glenn's marvelous mission into outer space, but in a cultural support and growth and evolution. Well, you know, I think one of the most delightful persons that I've had the opportunity to meet who's, who's not serving in the General Assembly, I have plenty of delightful ones there, mm-hmm. but one who, who served back in the 1960s, a physician by the name of Dr. William Fergie Reed. Uh-huh. And we have, uh, I think twice in our magazine, we have featured stories about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fergie no longer lives in the Commonwealth. He uh, lives in Maryland now. Mm-hmm. But and he's in his, I think he must be 91 now, and very, very active politically and concerned about his, his Commonwealth. And then another example, a, a legislator who's among the seven who chose not to run again to the House of Delegates, mm-hmm. a Northern Virginia Republican of the name of Dave Albo. Oh, yes. Uh, quite, quite an interesting, creative attorney, legislator. And the quick example that I would uh, give to you and, and your listeners is that Virginia wrestled, legislators wrestled with trying to possibly make the marijuana oil legal if it would help children and, and adults also with, with dealing with epilepsy. Yes. And uh, the, the Senate would pass the bill and it would get to the House of Delegates and it would die. Mm. And in very recent years, in fact, it was in 2015, Dave Alba, and we featured this in our magazine, mm-hmm. and, and I, I, I salute him now, two years later, he and one of the attorneys working at the Capitol for legislative services figured out the solution. Mm. And, and here's what they did. Uh, it's against the law in the Commonwealth of Virginia to carry a concealed weapon. Yes. Unless you have the authority that's been given to you by mm. the courts. Mm-hmm. You have a permit. So what, what they determined would be the way to, that, that it would solve the issue and people wouldn't be accused back home of voting to legalize marijuana, mm-hmm. which many of them feared if they did this, they might lose their seats. Yes. Um, what they did was they fashioned the bill on marijuana oil exactly the way the concealed weapon law is written. Mm-hmm. And that is, they made it illegal to possess or to have this marijuana oil uh, except if, if you had uh, a doctor's order to have it. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that may sound a little bit convoluted as people are trying to, to figure it out, but but it was a way that solved an issue. Yes. Uh, it solved an issue of, of enabling people to use something that's been found in other states and other countries to be very helpful in dealing with epilepsy, and it solved the way uh, that, that it had to had to occur to get the bill passed. Exactly. And and I think that there are creative people and creative solutions that occur that that just don't get enough uh, attention. And I think that and that 
particular issue of the magazine and uh, summer two years ago, we featured what what Dave Albo and then the legislators all agreed. Mm. And so that whether they be conservative or moderate, they agreed to enact that law. So I, I'm just delighted for the opportunity to get those stories written and to uh, have it published, have it available on, online as, as well as in print. Well, you know, you make such a great point because we, as you, as we all know, the headlines, uh, TV media in particular, TV news, cables, whatever, they get so fixated on one big story, we forget the human story of the millions behind something and something like this, that someone came up and he looked at the problem and said, look, this is good. We understand your political concerns. How can we make this work? And so I'm glad you told that story. I mean, that's we need creative people. I used to say, yes, yes. <laughs> I used to say we should elect more teachers and artists and fewer of whatever. <laughs> but I don't want to get us in trouble too much anyway. Right, right. Yes. All right. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Well, let's take a short break. This has been terrific. We are talking to David Bailey. He is, um, uh, well, for Virginia Capital uh, Connections Quarterly Magazine. Uh, he is the host of This Week in Richmond. Uh, and he, he is um, seen on uh, Virginia's PBS stations and informs the general public, but also, I think, if I may put my spin on it, informs the voter, the electorate, so that uh, whatever your choice in politics, at least you know the truth and know what's going on. We'll be right back with David Bailey. Please stay with us. And now... Another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Blessed are the films that don't take themselves too seriously while packing detail and relevance into a fully entertaining experience. Viva La Libertad is a wonderful comedy born of the political disillusionment and despair familiar to many, here set in the world-weary political arena of modern Italy. It's the preposterously comic tale of opposition party leader Enrico Olivieri, who is bone-tired of playing the game. At a critical moment for his failing party, he can take no more and goes underground in France in the home of his now-married former lover. Meanwhile, until they can locate their wayward leader, the politicians decide to replace Enrico with his twin brother, Giovanni. It should work. Giovanni is a depressive with no ability to live in the mainstream world on his own. What could go wrong? As it turns out, things go right. Giovanni, uncontrollable and a bit mad with pharmaceutically induced optimism, gives interviews and playfully speaks blunt truth. He paints hopeful pictures of a thriving future. In the absence of normal political self-loathing rhetoric, everything becomes possible. The people rise up in support. But will Enrico come back? Viva la Libertad is a rich comedic discovery with a sensuous European feel, refreshing at its very core. Viva la Libertad. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices talk radio show with the reasonable voice of David Bailey. We've been talking ab about 
the history of his virginia capital connections quarterly magazine vccqm david bailey's is the host of this week in richmond he's seen weekly on virginia's pbs stations and david bailey associates is a full service public relations government affairs and lobbying firm located very near where steven spielberg produced uh, Lincoln uh, using the state capital in Richmond, Virginia as the Congress of 1862. So uh, let's talk about the effect on women of our current president. I think there are two things, and David, I'm going to throw it out there and let you say whatever you wish, but two things that come to mind. One, not that Harvey Weinstein, if indeed guilty of all the things he's been accused of, is not someone we want our children to emulate. But I think the veracity at which uh, information is coming out is in part due to one cat saying such things as easily concerning a president, no matter what you may think of him, and enormous amount of women are running for public office at all levels. So, which would you like to take on first, and what are your feelings? Well, think about the number of women who are running. We went back and and looked at elections, the last three election cycles. I think if it went back more than that, the numbers would even be more dramatic. But Mm. typically in in races for the 100 seats in the House of Delegates, there would be 20-some women running. Yes. And that 20-some could be from the low 20s to the upper 20s. It just, uh, and, and that's in this decade. Mm-hmm. This, this year's election, there are 53 women running. Wow. Which is a, a tremendous difference. That, and I think that uh, we didn't do an official survey, but we sent something out to each of the one, ones running, the, the incumbents as well as the the ones challenging and got some very interesting comments back in fact the magazine that i'm eager to get from the printer and get it out around the commonwealth not only features on its cover the 26 women who serve in the senate and the house in 2017 mm. but then has a two-page spread of the photos the pictures of 53 women running running for office wow. uh, for, for the House of Delegates, many of them running for the first time mm-hmm. for any particular office. Some have served on school boards or they've served in other capacities, uh, even been elected in those positions, but most of them just running for the very first time. And, um, and, and I think the theme of resisting came out in many of their comments mm-hmm. that they just, just if they were stimulated to, to run for office due to what's happening nationally. Yes. Most uh, presidential election and just wanting to, to be there. One of the Republicans running acknowledged that many, uh, perhaps of the Democrats were running to resist. Uh, she was running to represent. Mm-hmm. And, and so they're not, they're not all, not all Democrats. Exactly. But, uh, largely so, but, but, just a significant number. We're having the conversation before the election, so we don't know what the numbers will be mm-hmm. at this time, but I'm sure 
Uh, right now in the House of Delegates, there are uh, 16 women mm-hmm. in, in the House out of the 100. And I think that number will at least be, at the very minimum, will be 18. Mm-hmm. And it could be 20. It could be, it could be in the low 20s that mm-hmm. the numbers would increase. Again, without getting district by district in mind, there are two open seats currently with a man representing that district in which both parties' candidates are women. Mm. So, so there, there will be a woman <laughs> will be representing those those districts. Yes, um, regardless of the uh, of which one it is. Mm-hmm. And and I think that again, if, if I compared uh, the Senate of Virginia with the House of Delegates, mm-hmm. ten out of the forty members of the Senate are women. That that 25% does, is only half of what you might say would be the, the population of the Commonwealth, mm-hmm. but, it, but it is 25%. Then you contrast it with the House of Delegates, where it's only 16%, yes. 16, 16 out of 100. So the House, in, in that sense, would be seen as behind the Senate mm-hmm. uh, as far as having a a more substantial number of women who who would be serving. I do feel uh, that we need to look at whether Einstein said it or not, you know, to keep doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result is kind of crazy. So, So it may not solve all of our problems, but I'd be very happy if there was a great gender revolution in politics and I mean that for both Republicans and Democrats. I do think men, uh, particularly older men, have gotten us where we are. We talk so much about change. Well, let's let the women run things a bit. I've had some incredibly impressive women who I've worked with and who I've worked for and who've worked for me in my lifetime, and I find generally a real nurturing um, respect for the other people involved in the organization or on the team and the ideas and the the thinking. It's just, if for no other reason, the genders, like it or not, tend to see issues and challenges a little differently. And what would be wrong with that? How do you feel about the gender change? Is there a gender revolution? Are we seeing a little I'm mad as hell and I'm not taking it anymore from the female side of the aisle? Uh, I think, you know, depending on how the election turns out in Virginia, that we will know, certainly obviously know more, but mm-hmm. I think even in the willingness to run, yes. uh, that, that that's, that's so dramatic and so powerful. Now, the only thing I think that you said, Marcello, that I might take issue with, and it's not just that I've enjoyed living a, a few years and, and a few years longer than some mm-hmm. enjoy, that some of the most uh, progressive and open and resilient legislators over the years at the Capitol have been those that are in their 70s or 80s. That's true. And, and, That's true. and I think of right now Republicans and Democrats that would be in that age range. And I, I may get myself in trouble, but, but in many, uh, many ways they are more open to wrestling with the issues in a nonpartisan, bipartisan way than some of the younger legislators mm-hmm. are. 
greater Richmond area, you know, we lost to retirement Walter Stosh, a Republican yes. very much working across party lines. We, yes. In Prince William, they lost Chuck Colgan, who's recently died. I mean, and, and without, I mention them without mentioning those that are still living at the, and still serving. Mm-hmm. But, but um, uh, I guess there was a time that I might have been more persuaded that some sort of term limit was was a good thing. Mm-hmm. But then over the years, the, the 30 years in working with legislators, I've seen younger ones mature and grow into positions of leadership mm-hmm. and and not be uh, so strictly partisan that you that, that you couldn't work with them if you were on the other side of the aisle. And then I've seen perhaps too many of the younger ones uh, as a result of gerrymandering. Yes. As a result of gerrymandered districts being more extreme and then finding it more difficult to, to work across party lines because of their fear that if they did, that then they would be primaried and would, would lose their seats. Yes. So, um, but, but if, I, if I go back for just a moment to the, you mentioned Weinstein, yes. if I pronounce his name correctly, and uh, others, you brought back to my mind something from 25 years ago when I was standing somewhere in between the General Assembly building and the Capitol talking with the legislator. And I suddenly discovered he was not really listening yeah. as much as I wanted to be listening. In fact, he was not even looking at me. Mm. And he turned his head and then he came back and he said, did you see that? Mm. And it was a it was a that, not a her. Mm. Did you see that yes and i said oh you mean my daughter Ooh. he turned two or three different colors before he came back to his original white color mm. and i told my daughter who just finished undergraduate was working for the senate for that session starting her graduate school work that if that legislator looked at her or spoke to her to let me know mm, mm-hmm. and and she said oh dad but um, uh, I, I say that to indicate that that I guess my primary point Marcello is that men need to stand up yes. and when I think of the number of men who knew what that movie mogul was doing mm-hmm. and did nothing yeah. some have come forward now and think tried to apologize because we should have spoken out. Yes. We should, should have said something that, uh, uh, that that we men have allowed things to go on that we should not, whether it's in a political setting or whatever setting it's in, that we women will stand up, and fortunately they are now. Yes. Uh, but uh, men need to stand just as quickly. You know, I couldn't agree more. As uh, as uh, our mutual friend Eileen Davis often says, that it's our, it's it's the men who stand up because people expect women to want equal rights amendment uh, <laughs> to be passed, and they expect right. to, to be treated equally and equal pay. But when the men join them in that argument, which we should, if you want to 
call yourself a real man and put it in those terms, you should be, especially when it comes to equal pay, for instance. If you are married, yes. well, it, if you're a married man, you are, you benefit from your wife getting equal pay. <laughs> you know, it's not, so if you can't do it for moral reasons, for Pete's sake, at least. Uh, what about, and I know Virginia cannot be completely divorced from this label that we get from uh, uh, the, uh, the president and that fake news label, but your particular show is so focused on information Nonpartisan, equal uh, information, bipartisan information. Everyone to to learn what to to be given the the facts that you need to make wise decisions, or whatever they happen to be, for your family and your community, your commonwealth. How, however, are you running into um, either as a lobbyist or or as the host? Are you running into any kind of reaction that is are people expressing that they believe this fake news label. I'm not defending by any means the media at large. I don't think they're necessarily fake. I think they're ratings crazed, but okay, I said it. But what are you running into anything like that? Well, i tell you, uh, on the This Week in Richmond show, which was started nearly a decade ago by the Roanoke mm -hmm. uh, Public Broadcasting Station, WBRA, and here of late is now presented or sponsored by, by the Richmond WCVE, but what, what I run into most frequently, and I appreciate it when I hear it, is people saying, I'm glad you let him or her say what they were trying to say, mm. and you didn't, you didn't interrupt them, that you gave them a chance. Uh, I, I would say you, you do the same with your radio programs. You're not looking just to get a 15-second soundbite that mm. would uh, make me seem as foolish as I could be seen. And, and, and I, think, I think the important thing is for people to take the time and to listen to, to thoughtful mm. shows, mm. To, to watch if it's on television, and uh, not get caught up in, in the news that really is just a... a short soundbite or, yes. or, a, or a Twitter or a short posting on Facebook or wherever, wherever it is, but they, they get more information. In our, in our very recent issue of, of our magazine, we had a professor at one of the colleges write a very thoughtful thousand-word article on fake news. Mm. And, one, and, and one of the things that's really, to me, scary about it is that an NPR study that was done by Stanford University a year ago, 2016, they found that, let me just read you this to you, that responses of more than 7,800 middle school, high school, and college students in 12 states mm. indicated that more than 80% of the middle schoolers couldn't distinguish between an ad and a new story. Oh, wow. And, and that more than a third of the high school students considered a fake news story more trustworthy than a real news story. And that less than a third of college students uh, could discern political agendas in sources such as moveon.org or on Fox News or what, whatever. That, so I, I think that it's a scary time. Yes. That, that we're living in when it's not just uh, 
generation from middle school on up through college and university are are not really distinguishing the difference between something that's that's reliable, accurate news mm-hmm. and something that's that's not. And there is a need one of one of our writers, Jim Dillard, a former legislator, has written an article on civic education that's in the issue that the magazine that's at the printers right now mm-hmm. uh, talked about the, the, the illustrated over and over again in his article the need for more civic education yes and that to try to help people know and understand our constitution our bill of rights and and then hopefully along the way to develop the skills to be able to determine and discern what's really some accurate news and, and what really is just opinion and see, and that's that's the you really nailed it. It's true. I mean, was it was it? I don't know if it was Tip O'Neill who it was that uh, you can uh, you can, uh, have a right to your opinion, but not to your facts. Right. Yeah. It, uh, it that that is the case. I I think, I mean, social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, Google, what whatever. I um, uh, I see them as. They're a necessary tool for getting things said, but I often write. But please don't get your don't get your news from. I mean, you get you can get information, you get opinions, you can get a lot of things, but what you read uh, is not usually factual news. It's it has unless someone sends a link to to an actual news uh, publication. I do a lot of that, but I I but people basing their votes. On what they see on Facebook, I find that terrifying. Oh, you know, scary! You know, <laughs> really, it is, it is scary. Yes. Well, it is. we have we have had a marvelous time. I hope you've enjoyed it. I, I oh, um, certainly have. And we're certainly going to have. have to have you back on because I I actually wanted to talk to you about how you with the the first ladies of the Commonwealth of Virginia who you've met. And uh, right. and talk to we must have another time for that. This is because we need to go now. But this has been exceptional. We've been talking to David Bailey of uh, the Virginia Capital Connections Quarterly Magazine and the host of This Week in Richmond and also of David Bailey Associates. David, any parting words? Uh, any final words of wisdom? I've been so enjoyed your input and your insight. for the opportunity to be on your show and to talk and just uh, uh, hope that in all the shows that you do and, and the information that's out there that people will pay attention to what's happening and uh, that we'll, we'll come through these challenging times whether they be in the Commonwealth or locally or in the nation if, if people just will be better informed and then we'll stand up for the values that we all claim that we have. Yes. Thank you so much, David Bailey. I so appreciate uh, your time and and all that you do and all that you contribute to the Commonwealth and through the Commonwealth to the nation, really. uh, Virginia does certainly, you know, mother of presidents and all that, but I mean, it's it's more than that in the way that you... um, give us the information and the facts to to know to make up our own minds so appreciate you being on the show david bailey thank you and i wish you and virginia capital connections quarterly magazine and this week in richmond 
all the very best. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Stay with us as we'll be right back with a final comment from The Reasonable Voice. discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Some subjects are uncomfortable to contemplate. This doesn't make them less fascinating, perhaps even a bit more so. XXY is the coming-of-age story of Alex, a 15-year-old intersex child. She was born with XXY syndrome. That is, she has the chromosomes and the physical characteristics of both sexes. Lest this sound like a morality tale, that is certainly not the case with this touching and challenging first film by Argentinian writer and director Lucia Puenzo. Alex's father thought of his child at birth as perfect. He did not want the condition addressed through surgery, which could lead to serious repercussions. Respecting her uniqueness, he moved the family to remote Uruguay so that Alex could grow up in a less threatening environment. Alex has stopped taking the hormones which had been guiding toward the feminine and is beginning to struggle with sexual identity. Her mother invites a surgeon and his family to visit to subtly explore the surgical options. The surgeon's son, also an adolescent, falls for Alex, who has feelings, confused feelings, for him as well. XXY has been greatly admired for its non-judgmental respect towards its subject. It's an honest exploration of the difficulty of difference. XXY, not in theaters, discovery through rental. Find us on the web at IndieFilmMinute.com. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Women Trump Women Haters. 1513. With or without metal codpiece, Ponce de Leon discovers future home of thongs. 2005, Pope John Paul II, on the wings of arguably the largest funeral ever, returns home. 2016, more than half of American population suffers the slings and arrows of outrageous income disparity, second-class citizenship, and constitutional inequity. In other words, no penis equals diminished returns on education investment, glass ceiling limitations on the rainmaker's rain, and, as for your body, public domain property. Add a dash of color and reap the rewards of gender gap, risk of rape, and small checks and balances on steroids. Finally, for lessons in Christian hypocrisy, political expediency, and red state denial of marital bliss, Take your choice of LGBT. Using the Bible to disrespect any American damages personal pride, international reputation as justice for all beacon, and national honor. For better or worse, like virginity, honor is lost when suits ignore female protestations or challenges, choosing to stand by rather than stand up for better half. Honoring equal economic opportunity and income parity is not only an Olympian issue, it is the cornerstone of our global definition, national proclamations, and raison d'etre, unless we elect to declare our Bill of Rights a sovereign moral compass that excludes all but straight, pale-face males. 
To embrace an America of financial elites astride to the backs of both working sexes is choosing mob rule over reason, chaos over our democratic republic, and the dishonor of mass treason against all Lincoln and hundreds of thousands fought and died to preserve. We are either the trumped America of a forgotten Tea Party, hooded KKK, and caste system of haters hating diversity of race, creed, and lifestyle, or we are a national work in progress striving to move forward after a calamitous trickle-down banker-induced recession, recapturing its center in the courage of United We Stand. When peace like a river attends the American way, the American dream blooms with the promise of faith and the potential of science. However, when on prom night we elect to roll over and expose our Declaration of Independence to corporatism's Citizens United tool, we carry to term collateralized debt obligations, gender apartheid, and forgetting earth and our habitable time upon it aren't inexhaustible, both natural resources and, we hold these truths to be self-evident, extinction. Historically, when failing to be first responders to love thy neighbor as thyself, we've become vulnerable to both the lowest domestic common denominator and most violent foreign threat. For example, for our antebellum South to thrive, it sustained itself on a foundation of inhumane servitude, enslaved men, women, and children. Native Americans had to be humiliated on a trail of tears to guarantee the survival of an Andrew Jackson presidency and ultimately the sanctity of the Mason-Dixon line. In the 21st century, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan Chase, ISDA agreements corporatisms, pharmaceutical, tobacco, food conglomerates, and oil company boards, and political puppets prostituting the South shall rise again, might require a 21st century Abraham pleading to a god to save us from demigods of, by, and for the street. However, hope is still America's bottom line. For even in the midst of Sodom and Gomorrah, the Great Depression, the Cold War, Cuban Missile Crisis, and even Bush-Cheney oil wars induced recession, we have reaped rewards from investing in women and men of honor, integrity, and character. While there is little honor in Chicago murder rates, border walls, mass incarcerations, or Loudoun County CIA use of school buses, our national character, like American female soccer players, is a rapid response team to any individual invitation for liberty and justice for all. Consider this. Emulating good Samaritans like Jacob Grant, Richmond's Chad Dermeyer, and the call to action by the United States women's national soccer team on and off the field, is America's best family value. Join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you.
Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of the Reasonable Voice. Website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard around the world. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.